Barbara Hershey, winner Best Actress, 1987 Cannes Film Festival. Utterly original, strong, intelligent, and challenging. Extraordinary and courageous performances by Barbara Hershey and Jill Clayburgh. Roger Ebert, Chicago Sun-Times. Grace? I thought you left to work on your story. Thought maybe you'd like to come. You know Granddad's brother who went down to Louisiana and became some kind of an outlaw? I mean, it is fabulous. There's got to be a story in it. A New York journalist and her daughter embark on a journey into a different world. Into the heart of the Louisiana Bayou. They're my family, for better or for worse. I'd like to see them if I can. Are you Mrs. Sullivan? I'm Diana Sullivan. This is my daughter, Grace. Well, you won't. We wanted just to talk about the family. Kinfolk, unlike any they've ever met. This is really good. Turtle soup. I had a turtle once. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's the Cannon Cruisers. I'm JD. And I'm Randy, and today we checked out, I'm going to butcher his name, Andre Kochelovsky's 1987 American drama film, Shy People, starring Jill Clayburgh, Barbara Hershey, Martha Plimpton, Mayor Winningham, Don Swayze, John Philbin, Pruitt Taylor Vince, and Merritt Butrick. That's right, we're covering another movie we for some reason couldn't find until now, for whatever reason. At this point in 87, this would have been the fourth movie that Canon and Andre uh, Konchalovsky have done together. Yep, including everyone's favorite, Runaway Train, which you already covered before. Yes. So Randy, why don't you give us the scoop on what Shy People is actually about? Why do I have to do this? Um, <laughs> it is about a cosmeto- uh, a New Yorker who works for Cosmopolitan Magazine who wants to write a story about her family and goes to find some long-lost relatives who live out in the bayous of Louisiana mm-hmm. where wackiness ensues, where a southern gothic tale yeah. of uh, family alienation takes place. Uh, and yep. also they go out of their way to make sure that you are aware that they are not Cajun <laughs> living out there. So they are not doing anything stereotypical. They're not. They're just weird. They're just eccentric people. They're just eccentric, shy people. Oh, you want me to read the line from that review on IMDb, don't you? I really don't, but you know. Everybody's favorite line. But he's going to read it anyway because that's why he's here. There really are creatures in the swamp, but there are also people just like us. Shy people. That sounds like one of those bad Mr. Movie voice lines. And I mean specifically the bad ones because, man, is that cheesy. So yeah, the whole movie is about the her going there and trying to find out more about her family. And very slowly you start to have a picture painted about who this family is and who they were. And maybe even who they'll become in the future. Why are you looking at cat people? Apparently, if you like shy people, you like other movies with the word people in it, according to IMDb. Yeah, this isn't that type of movie. It's just the title. Really random. What the hell? Okay, anyways. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, you were saying. 
Yeah, you get distracted me when I start talking about cat people. Uh, no one told you to look up cat people. Okay, the movie is called Shy People. It's about a bunch of people in the bayou. We learn about them as we go along, and we learn more about them, their past, their present, and possibly their future. Yep, and... Including her own family. And her own family, who she brings her drug-addicted daughter with her, who immediately blows up the whole entire her whole entire family out there. Yeah, and almost gets herself killed in the process. And it's also this weirdly, like, southern gothic type of film without any mm-hmm. supernatural elements, well, except for what might be in their head. Except that there's some ambiguity about what happened to the father, mm-hmm. who may, whose spirit may or may not have appeared for a moment yeah. near the end of the film. As the the whole movie predicates on the feeling of hot and cold, hot passions, cold passions, and not being what's the word milk toast or lukewarm about things going on. That's part of why our main character's daughter is the way she is, is because mother won't take a, a stand on anything she does, which is what eventually ends up blowing up everything by the end of the movie. In fact, that's also part of what uh, she has, the, the family has to learn as well, is how to order their passions, I guess, for lack of a better term, better than the way they're already doing it. And we end up following their whole journey through this as it... In a two-hour-plus film. Yeah. It doesn't really feel like that, though. Probably because there's a, enough going on in the movie. and there's It's actually a lot of... only two hours, sorry. Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of melodrama. There's a lot of melodrama. There's a lot of like good direction, good shots. Like when they were under the bridge with the with the um, the camera work showing the um, the pillars as they're driving through the water. Yeah, a the first cool two shots, because like you have this nice circle, circular shot mm-hmm. of uh, Manhattan that mm-hmm. starts the picture out, which mm-hmm. then cuts to the long, slow, straight shot, that the one that you're talking about, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the film of the bayou as yeah. they come into Louisiana. Some um, good uh, visuals like that. Like, that's one thing you have to say about uh, Andre <laughs> Konchalovsky. I can't, I'm terrible at Russian names. He's going to get that wrong a lot, um, so get used to it. Mm-hmm. In all the movies we've seen of him, excluding Maria's Lovers, which I'm not going to see, uh, <laughs> he he's a very fine director with, with, with what yes. he does. He definitely knows how to work the camera very well, because a big chunk of the movie is... It's not really like a fish out of water thing like you would get a lot of this time. He spends most of the movie trying to show how similar a lot of these people are to each other. How different but how similar we are, yeah. Like the people out in the bayou and the people in the city are not really that different. Just like how I'm pretty sure it was specifically chosen to have the city portions basically all filmed during a murky downpour. So when they go to the, the bayou, it doesn't look that different. Even though it is different. And just to give you guys uh, some content warning, I guess you'd say. It's like, these are the (laughs) tags from IMDb. Uh, Just to give you an idea of the picture. Uh, Cosmopolitan Magazine. Okay, not bad. Writer. Okay. Okay. Mother-daughter relationship. Uh, Okay. okay. Uh, Incest. Uh, Okay. Uh, Schoolgirl uniform. uh, Family reunion. uh, Kissing cousins. Yes. Uh, yes, people, there is incest in the movie. Well, it's... Essentially, yeah. When you have to 
break into the account. But they're kissing cousins. They're, they're, they're far enough away that it's, it's still squicky, but not as bad. Well, they're distant relations. That's the whole point of the, the thing, is that they're distant relations. So you don't... It's not anything like, you know, first or second cousins or anything like that. It's... Just somebody, That's what they refer to as kissing cousins. Yeah. Distinct, they're just distant relatives. So it's not really, because not that's not really what the focus of the movie is. It is it would take away from what the point is. Oh, but that's how the movie blows up at the end. Well, the movie blows up at the end is because nobody communicates with each other or trusts each other. So everybody's going off in their own direction, and nobody knows what's happening. And when you add drugs into the mix, yeah, when you add drugs into a mix with. Uh, Three family members that are all... Um, on edge. Not just on edge, but not mentally right in the head. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which it had just has straight up mental illness. One of them has a very, very low IQ and Forrest Gump ranges, if not lower. Mm-hmm. And the other one is Don Swayze, <laughs> who got hit in the head the night before by some random uh, poacher. Mm-hmm. Um and let's not forget the daughter herself isn't exactly uh... and and the mid-teen daughter uh, who who's a drug addict who who we, we were led to believe got rid of her cocaine before she pulled out even more and started feeding it to everybody. Yeah, she basically brought her problems in with them, and it ended up making things worse for everybody. And then she slept with her cousin, and then another cousin tried to rape her after while all on cocaine. Yeah, and then there was, and then a, they stole a bunch of boats. There was a big blow up after that. That's the whole movie is just like that it's a situation and the situation gets blown up the movie suddenly becomes deliverance and becomes this like i said really like uh, it becomes solely fears into like horror but not as in the i'm scary horror more like the the more like uh atmospheric type of horror like gothic more gothic yeah gothic yes the point is the father is not there. We're assumed that he was killed, but we're never really straight out told Papa's what happened Papa's dead! He's out in the swamp in the steel! And it's like, oh we no. Nev- we never found out what happened to him, except there's one point where our main character goes out to find her daughter and almost falls into the water. And- no, no, not almost. She does fall into the water, and then the boat loses control and starts chasing her. <laughs> Well, it doesn't chase her. It fly- It goes off into the distance, and then and for then some turns- reason comes back, and then... She climbs into it and to find another guy in a boat next to her. A shadowy figure mm. who's dressed in the same style as we can tell as the large painting. Mm-hmm. Uh, American Gothic-esque painting of the patriarch, family patriarch Joe. Mm-hmm. But we don't see his face, just the style of clothing and the hat. Before he pushes away into the darkness, into, back into the fog and disappears. Yeah. And that ends up being what uh, saves her and her daughter, because otherwise they both died out there. Because the the like I said, the main theme of the movie is hot and cold, so there isn't a lot in the way of ambiguity, which is ironic considering that when it comes to the father, it is very ambiguous as to everything going on. But his personality of hot and cold is what ends up changing everything by the end of the movie which is like i said it's a very it's a very strange movie really yes but it works and it's very i want to say atypical of canon at this time but at the same time this is after a long run of andre i'm not saying his whole name um films like maria's lover runaway train duet for one yeah and then also movies like Cassavetti's Love Streams. And then what comes after this is like Otello and King Lear. And like all these, like 
this is where the auteurs come out to play. Yeah, this is one of those types of movies, though. I would say if we're going to compare it to like either Runaway Train or Duet for One, oddly enough, I think this is probably closer to Runaway Train in the way it it the camera works, the direction works, and it focuses on each individual character and their relationships. I would kind of lean more that it goes more towards do it for one because do it for one was more of a character piece uh that focused on her and the people in her life mostly just as her, she was though. dying <laughs> but mostly just her not on anything else because it was about her this is about more than one person and for people like me mm-hmm. who confused the duet for one with uh with what's the other movie that i confused Fool for love Fool for love for some reason i get them mixed up well, there was a lot of movies like this around this period, like late 80s into early 90s. I think probably petered out around fried green tomatoes. There, there's a very specific type of drama that they would do. Maybe period piece sometimes, not always. So, like, this is a very specific movie that could only have been made when it was. Whether it would have only been made by canon or not, I can't exactly say. Because I can't think of a whole lot of movies even in this style that are like this. Now, before we start talking about like the highlights and lowlights, let me just drop a couple of facts mm-hmm. for you here that are kind of like out there. So first off, this film was won. Um, let me actually mm-hmm. confirm if, if it actually won it. Um, for the for cons, like for, mm-hmm. it was the winner of the best actress at cons film festival in '87 for for Barbara Hershey. She won the best actress, but it was that. also nominated mm-hmm. for the Cannes Golden Palm, which is the highest honor that the film can receive, but only nominated. Yeah. Same thing for Independent Spirit Awards. It was nominated for Best Supporting Actress yes, for Martha Plimpton. But we need to know how many Razzies it was nominated for. Right? None. <laughs> and this is why I said I'm putting facts down here. Mm-hmm. This was Roger Ebert's number four of his best, of the best films of 98, oh, sorry, of 88 yeah. So he really liked this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, critics overall just really liked this movie. Yeah, I could see that. No Oscar nominations, nothing. Yeah, well, they which, were really... Which kind of leads me into my um, <laughs> highlight of... of the film is that Barbara Hershey's performance. Canon... There is a reason why she won. Canon didn't get a whole lot, even when they put out good movies like this, just because they just didn't like Canon. So. Martha Plimpton. There's but, a reason why she was nominated. But like, the, the performances in this movie mm-hmm. yeah. are phenomenal. They're very good. The directing, phenomenal. The atmosphere is really good too. The atmosphere, phenomenal. And, and it's like I'm not going to. It's like pacing. Pacing on the film is okay for the type of film it is. Well, yeah, you're not going to... And there's nothing you... It, you're going to have breakneck speed on this. It, yes, exactly. You, you need it to have this slow, growing film. Yeah. Like, like And any, anything anything that you... Like, usually, I'm like, ah, cut a little bit here and there and make it a little bit tighter. But no, it's like, you do that, you wreck the atmosphere of the gothic... The gothic atmosphere of this just slowing, growing hmm. dread. No, it needs to be... It needs to be the length it is. It needs to be the... Uh, everything that's in a movie needs to be there. You could taste the murk of the, the, the bayou. Yeah. It definitely works for everything they're trying to get across in this in this one. Um, Like I said, this is the guy who did Runaway Train, so clearly he knows when it comes to this sort of thing how to get atmosphere across, and he did it really well here. So, Randy, all that said, because I agree with you on the highlights, what would your lowlights be for this one? 
Uh, soundtrack by Tangerine Dream. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, Shy people. Okay, yeah. Actually, no, you turned me around. I, I hate that song. <laughs> I love that song. It's so uh, cool. My low light of the film is the title track, Shy, Shy People by Tangerine Dream. That's really, your low light? It's a really bad song. No, I'm doing that to, uh, to mess with you right now while I try to figure <laughs> out what my low light of the film uh, is. Um, well, like I said, it's a drama, late 80s. There's very few ways you can really go wrong with this sort of thing unless you do one of several things, which is either botch the pacing, which uh, they didn't really do that here, miss the point of your own story, which they didn't really do here. They knew that what they were doing, and they did it. Yeah. Or the acting is off, which it's not. It's actually really well done. It's it's like every maybe okay so maybe that might be my low light is that the, the one thing of the film is that it's very workman like in its plot like the way the build up on it everything you, you, you yeah the general plot you see all the pieces that are there mm-hmm. that if one piece went wasn't there it has to be it has to be slotted in everything it works to build up on the other mm-hmm. and because of that you see all the pieces and you kind of get an idea of where it's going okay I can and see that. and then the quick tonal shift at the end more into the horror element even if it's just atmospheric gothic like something gets ramped up in the finale. Yeah, I would have liked a bit more of that earlier. Like, like I would like I would like the tone to have been a little bit more consistent throughout. Mm-hmm. I would have liked a bit more of that uh, earlier in the movie. Yeah, I mean, I liked that it was there and it works really well in the story. I just would have liked more of it. And I guess, and uh, the best uh, thing I, I had seen, the best comparison I, could, I saw actually, uh, mm-hmm. like neither talking about the highlights or lowlights here that that Ebert and some others made, which I agree because this is what I thought about the entire time. Is it really re- reminded me of like a Faulkner story? It mm-hmm. reminded me of like barn burning with, with with the Snopes. It reminded me of like that family history of well of, of violence and of of, of broken people. Mm-hmm. Um, but four to five years, exactly. They're making fun of that time in King of the Hill. Do you it's, want me to read the line about the people in the swamp? No, you don't have to. I'm okay. just I'm just saying it's a very specific type of story and they nailed what they were trying to do with it. it but works. you kind of see it's like okay, mm-hmm. the only reason this is happening is because it has to happen for the story to work. Mm-hmm. It's like it's yeah. very clearly blatantly like this has to happen because X. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I know what you mean. There's not a whole lot in the way of uh, elbow room to go in other ways, potentially. It's very obvious at certain points. It has to do what it does. It's not much of a negative, I guess, but it is one. It makes it a little bit more workmanlike. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like it's not a flawless film. It's like you can kind of see the gears. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of a jank. You can see a little bit of it, of, the, of things rubbing up against each other going, okay. Bit. Yeah. Um, but that said, I would give this movie like a four. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, there, there, there's something lacking, even though I can't really put it into words. And I, the only thing I can think of is that it's kind of yeah. bog standard. It's like even it's the themes. It's not bog standard, but not it's like, you know, but, but, but you know what? It's like it's, it's very much like, okay, you can see what... Yeah. Every element leads into the you know, other, but, type, it's, not, but it's not done in a cleverly way. It's done in a very mechanical way. To an extent, yeah. Like I said, there's nothing particularly bad about this movie, but there's also nothing that's particularly like going to drag it down into anything other than a very good movie. So Yeah, it's like there's nothing that's going to elevate it. It's like the, the performances were great, but... That's really why you're coming to see this movie. Then you're coming yeah. here to watch the movie for the the uh, you want to see performances. This, this type of movie for the performances, and they deliver on that. So that's why I would also give it a four to five. It's a very good movie. It's very fun to watch because the performances are very good. Um, I said the cinematography is great, the direction's great. 
but like you're not going to be here for the for the plot to knock you off your ass or knock you into different directions or wow i never saw that coming sort of thing it's, it's like just, having seen his other films uh, from canon this is going to be the probably this number two of his work um yeah definitely behind runaway train though it is like i said it's not for lack of uh quality on his part he did a very good job and then randomly this guy would go on to direct tango and cash which is a very canon films-esque type of thing <laughs> but not for canon the most canon film he did is the one he didn't do for canon yeah <laughs> so, which i would actually place above his duet for one uh yeah. even in his, his okay. oeuvre it's a, good, um, it's a good one too like i said yeah overall this is a great movie and it's definitely worth seeing especially if you like these sorts of dramas and you haven't seen this one definitely give this one a go it's, it's very literary it's mm. this film uh, yeah overall like i said it's a recommend just it's a lot longer than i'm used to with canon films yeah uh, the last couple of uh, weeks of watching canon, we've been watching all the long ones. Though at least this one didn't feel its length like a certain other one we watched. So, there is that. I literally can't remember which film you're talking about <laughs> right now. We'll talk about it off the podcast. All right, everybody. Okay. That's all we got for this one. So, we'll see you next time we continue our cruise to the canon catalog. Goodbye, everybody. Yep, because this podcast never ends. We'll continue the cruise to the canon catalog. Goodbye. <laughs> Canon Films, and we're dynamite. I had a turtle once. <laughs> Ain't him. It's my baby boy, Tommy. Why don't you help him? I put him there. Why would I help him get out? How can you stand that? Being locked up like an animal. I'm no animal. You have a live son you think of as dead. A dead husband you think of as alive. I want to tell you how I hated him. No! You let her go! Took me as a second wife when I was 12 years old. I'm the one that lived in Joe's hell. Where is Grace? Where is she? She's out of the swamp! What do you think your pa would do to you for this? He died 15 years ago and brought it out there in a fire! Grace! Jill Clayburgh, Barbara Hershey, Martha Plimpton, Mayor Winningham. Swamp makes the body see whatever they wants to see. Shy people.